Well, good morning, everybody. We invite you to come on in and grab a seat and join us in here. Pastor Craig bumping the techno beats today. It's good. Uh, turn to your neighbor and give him a good shake. I don't know if Sunday mornings on a long weekend are conducive to awareness. So welcome up. Make sure you make sure they're all awake. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter five, and we're going to be reading out of John chapter five uh, this morning. I want to ask a simple question. A simple question for our lives, a simple question for my life is, do we want to be made well? Do we want to be made well? We live in a culture and a time that is not necessarily in a bad way, but obsessed with being well, being health conscious. When you walk through the grocery store, the magazine rack is the top five ways to get that beach bod in time for summer. I was lucky enough that when I got married, the dad bod was in. So, praise Aaliyah, that's awesome. But how to get in the best of shape for summer coming. Uh, or now you go to McDonald's and they have the calories posted before you buy the stupid thing. Like, I already going to have Mick regrets afterwards. Now I'm going to have Mick regrets beforehand as well in my shame ordering. Uh, and gluten, public enemy number one. Kale is the new superfood. And Mikhail likes to make these smoothies all the time. And they look amazing. And then she puts leaves in it. And I'm like, get the salad out of the smoothie. Amen. And I don't quite... There's probably some healthy practices I could adopt in my life, but I'm not necessarily on board with all of them. But just as we get into the mindset of being made well, i got a quick quiz for you. So if you see someone sitting by themselves, rope them in. We're going to play a quick little game here. True or false, home remedies. I have found ten, or I found eight home remedies that you can try if you are brave enough. Uh, and I want you to tell me whether they are true or false. My disclaimer, I'm not saying these work. I'm saying they were on a list on the internet. That's my disclaimer. Okay. Uh, so let's go number one. Uh, the cure for bad breath is yogurt. True or false? True or false? Talk it over with your tables. Cure for bad breath is yogurt. Yogurt, yogurt. Okay, number two. A good home remedy for blisters is Listerine. Listerine on your blisters. True or false? They'd smell great. At the very worst. Okay, number three, calluses. Calluses are best treated by eating a steady diet of licorice. True or false? True or false? Licorice for your calluses. Uh, number four, to help cure itchy and uncomfortable feet, you soak them in tomato sauce. Soak them in tomato sauce. Itchy feet. True or false? Okay, number five. Uh, to cure the hiccups is a teaspoon of sugar. Take a teaspoon of sugar to cure hiccups. True or false? True or false? Uh, if you're someone to prone to get motion sick or car sick, uh, the home remedy that I suggested to you is to try olives while you drive. True or false? Olives for motion sickness. Uh, okay, the next one is if you have a burn on your skin, the suggestion is that you rub mushed bananas all over the burn. True or false? Yeah, burn, not bird. Not, not bird, burn. Burn. If you could get bananas on a bird, I'd be impressed. <laughs> okay, on the burn to help the skin. And last but not least, the stress of a traffic-packed commute is best remedied with a pack of cinnamon gum. True or false? True 
or false. Get some of that big red going. I don't even think they make big red anymore, but it's good. Okay, uh, make sure you got all your answers there. We're going to tie them up together. And with number one, the cure for bad breath is yogurt. Apparently that is true. That is true. Preliminary research shows that live bacteria in yogurt can suppress levels of bad breath causing bacteria. Do I know what any of that means? No, but apparently it's true. So if you got it right, you can tick the box. That's perfect. Okay, number two, uh, blisters on Listerine. Apparently this is true. I don't suggest you try it, but apparently it's true and it works. I'm assuming it's the alcohol that dries it out. Okay, number three, uh, calluses are best served with a steady diet of licorice. Uh, this is true. This one's true. Well, apparently it's true. This is very loose truth today, okay? Uh, licorice, apparently licorice contains estrogen-like substances that soften hard skin like calluses. Uh, whatever nibs are. When you're at the movie theater, be like, I'm working on my feet, and just dump that thing down. Okay, uh, number four, itchy feet by tomato sauce. That is false. That is false. I made that one up. <laughs> uh, okay. It seemed pro plausible. Okay. Uh, hiccups cured with a teaspoon of sugar. Apparently that's true. But here's my skepticalness. The instructions were to take a teaspoon of sugar, wait five minutes, and your hiccups will be gone. But I'm pretty sure you could take a teaspoon of anything and wait five minutes, and your hiccups are gone. So that one is, again, loose truth in that one. Okay, number six. Uh, motion sickness cured with olives. Apparently that is true. That, apparently that is true. Apparently the reason you get motion sick is too much, you get excess saliva can cause you to feel motion sick. And that was dry out your mouth. I'm not a doctor. Ask the doctor. Okay. Uh, number six is true. Number seven, burnt skin and mushed bananas. That one is false. That one is false. There was old bananas on my countertop when I was making the quiz. So that's where my inspiration came from. Don't try mushed bananas on your burns. Thank you. And last but not least, uh, to help alleviate the stress of a high-traffic commute with cinnamon gum, apparently that is true. That one is true. So tally them up with your table and uh, come to a consensus. How many you got right? Okay, who got at least four out of eight? Ooh, this, we guys did way better than every other service, by the way. Okay, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, seven. Oh, give it up for our two tables. I got seven. Give them a round of applause. If you got a sore spot, they'll put some peanut butter on there for you. You'll feel better in no time. It's going to be awesome. Well, if you got your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 5, and we're going to read it together. And it goes like this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was, a pool, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to be made well? Would you like to get well? Would you like to be made well? The thing about the pool of Bethesda is in the time, there was a myth that an angel would come down and stir the waters. And if you slipped into the pool at the right time, you would be healed of whatever ails you. And so it was kind of a beacon of hope for people who lived with this condition, whether they were blind, paralyzed, or lame, and they would come and attempt to get into the pool. And so Jesus goes, would you like to be made well? The, sir, the man says, sir, I can't. For no one, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who's cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. 
But the man replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing, they demanded. But the man didn't know, for Jesus had already disappeared into the crowd. This is an awesome story of, of life transformation. Can you imagine 38 years of living with this condition, experiencing life as a lame person? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be lame. With some gusto, don't be lame. Youth pastor speaking, he can say what he wants. Don't be lame. Don't be lame. And in a moment, his life is transformed forever. His hope is restored and his purpose is reestablished. For 38 years, he waited for this transformation, placing his stock and his expectation in nothing more than a myth and a legend, this pool of Bethesda that was going to bring healing for his life. And although it was folklore, it created a community around it where people from all over the city would come and make it their home. It was kind of a safe place for people who suffered from these conditions to get away, especially in a society where People with disabilities were not treated with respect or care at all. And so it was kind of a haven for people to sneak away to. But 38 years, 38 years works out to 13,780 days. And I just did the math on the spot. You're welcome. No, but 13,780 days. That is a long time. That is a very long time. That's a long time to sit and day in, day out, have failed expectations of being healed waiting for this pool to bring transformation for almost 14,000 days. That is patience on next level. Mikhail and I won't even go to the movies unless I can reserve seats anymore, let alone sitting for 38 years. 38 years. And yet in one moment, he meets a man named Jesus, and his life is transformed forever. Jesus approaches the man and says, would you like to get well? Or another translation may says, made well. An odd question to ask a man who's been sitting for 14,000 days waiting to get well. And yet it's an incredibly pointed question. Jesus has a reputation for asking the obvious question sometimes, but it's always for a point. Do you not think Jesus knows the tale and the myth and the folklore of the pool of Bethesda? He would, be, he would understand why the man was there. He would understand what he's doing. He would understand the time and the expectation that this was some magical pool that would heal him. And yet the man, without even answering Jesus' initial question, he doesn't even answer the question, proceeds to explain to Jesus why it isn't possible. He says, I tried. It hasn't worked out. It did. He feels the, the need to give a good reason as to why he is the way he is still 38 years later. But Jesus, you don't get it. I've tried. I, the water bubbles up. I just can't slip in. Someone always beats me into this pool. I've given it my best shot. He's quick to give an excuse for the condition he still finds himself in. It's like getting caught doing something you know you probably weren't supposed to be doing. That, that anxious feeling of having to explain yourself. Uh, I had a friend named Jason Bronson who used to work at the church. Maybe you remember Jason. And Jason was a rock star. He worked two part-time jobs and then worked at the church on top of that. So majorly blessed by Jay. But he would be exhausted by the time he got here. Because he worked two jobs, shows up at five, ready to go for youth. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, dude, I'm going to go set up next door. But first, I'm just going to sit down for just a second here. And so he'd sit down. He'd open his laptop. He'd put, it on his, he'd put the laptop on his stomach, laying on the couch like this. And he'd be working away. And I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm just going downstairs really quick. And I would hear this noise. And I'd come back upstairs. And Jason's like, <laughs> like so loud. Like so, so, so loud. He is, snor he is passed out. He is gone. And so we started a series on our Instagram called The Sleepy Intern, where we'd videotape Jason <laughs> sleeping all the time. And, and so we'd go, Jason! And he'd go, Bleh! and without even thinking, he'd just begin to type. 
Like, making, like, oh, yeah, yeah, guys, I was awake. Like, you're not typing anything. And literally every time, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, how's that work coming, bud? Yeah. That feeling of having to explain yourself, like you've been caught in a situation where you should have known better. This man is giving an excuse as to why he still is the way he is. Well, Jesus, you understand. Someone always beats me in there. Well, See, the pool, because of its, its belief of healing, became that refuge for a sick, a rather large community for the broken. And rather than a place of transformation, it became a kind of a place to settle in. It kind of became a community where people came and they stayed. And they lived on these porches. See, his condition led him to this pool, and this pool actually allowed him to belong somewhere, which is a pretty powerful thing. He's there for 38 years. You belong there. You have made your place there. And his condition had actually given him a sense of community. His condition had actually given him a sense of comfort that he was among people who understood him, who were similar to him in the same stage of life as him. And there wasn't necessarily judgment for the way that he was. It would have not been the greatest life circumstance, but at least it was comfortable among his peers. And as much as he'd been waiting for healing his entire life, or at least 38 years of his life, he found himself in a community in a place that, although full of brokenness and dysfunction, offered him acceptance. He had a place there. And although this is not inherently a bad thing, I think it's actually a, a powerful thing to belong to a community that cares for you. But one thing to notice about the pool is there's no power. 38 years of expectation of transformation in his life that he's going to be healed, and not once in 38 years. Not once in 13,870 days does he actually experience the transformation he came for. But instead he becomes complacent and comfortable where he is. And although it might sound ridiculous to suggest that he's become complacent with his own condition. And even to say it out loud, but yet how many times in my own life have I, have I become complacent with my own brokenness and condition in my life? The things in my life that I know I should probably fix, the things in my life that maybe I want to work on, but I go, you know what, it's probably just easier to just coast. Accepting it for what it is, the faults and flaws in my life or my character or my relation with Jesus, accepting it for who it has made me to be rather than who I could be. Accepting my condition for what it is. Well, this is just who I am. Take it or leave it. Instead of seeing what Jesus has called me to be or is asking us to come into, See, so we're creatures of habit, and most often, creatures of the path of least resistance. The fact that Netflix has to ask if you're still watching is proof that we are creatures of the least resistance. You did not move for a solid seven hours. And yet, our life with Jesus calls us to a life that is always growing, always developing, and always healing the brokenness in our own lives. But the path of least resistance often wins. I have a friend of mine named Ryan who forces me to go to the gym with him. And in my mind, I know it's a good thing, but it's terrible. Like, I know I should do it. Like, it's like, this is a good thing for you. It's going to be healthy. But getting there, anybody, getting to the gym is like, <gasps> terrible. He has to bribe me with breakfast after. Like, it's terrible to, like, have to get there. And I was like, Ryan, why am I friends with you? It was a lot easier when Carlo was here because we would go to Pizza Hut a thousand times before we go to the gym. It was a lot easier for me to be friends with Carlo than Ryan because Ryan kicks my butt. I'd rather go hang with Carlo. He has no expectation of me, literally, at all. <laughs> That's terrible. It is our nature to find a place that is comfortable and a community that shares in our condition. 
But the problem with the community and belonging to a community that solely shares in our condition is that our sense of belonging becomes tied to our own brokenness and our own dysfunction. If I continue to hang out with Carlo, my life would expand in ways I was not looking for it to expand. Because we share in the same condition. <laughs> it's terrible. And yet, the path of least resistance often wins. We find ourselves in the same place, but with maybe other areas of your life. The relationship you keep coming back around to, even though you know it's not honoring to God. Or the culture in your workplace or at school that you know is like lowbrow and we're called to live in a higher standard. And yet, when we're in that place, in the comfort zone, in the community of it, it's just easy to, or easier to circle back around to it. Or the bitterness you might have been holding on to in your life and you found that it's crept its way into every area of your life. Or the negativity that keeps you from experiencing true joy because it just has a grip on who you are. Or maybe it's just quite simply sin in your life that has been there for so long, it's actually hard to see your life beyond that sin in your life. That it's just made such a place in our hearts or in our lives that it's actually hard to see what our lives would be like beyond it. But when we become complacent to our condition, the condition of our heart and our soul and our mind, our sense of belonging will always be tied to our brokenness. Our sense of belonging will always be limited by our brokenness in our life. And so when Jesus asks this man simple question, do you want to be made well? He's not just offering him an opportunity to be healed. That's important. It's good. It's amazing. He's not just bringing physical healing, but he's actually offering him an opportunity to be lifted out of a, a community and a legacy for his life that has become complacent and comfortable with brokenness. That he'd become comfortable and complacent with his condition. Jesus says, no, no, no. You're made for more than that. Would you allow me to elevate you out of that and move you forward from where I found you? Jesus doesn't just heal, but he elevates. And in a moment, Jesus not only transformed his present, but he gave him a future. He gave him an incredible purpose and fulfilledness that was actually his intended experience. The way he was created was to live a full life, an able, but he was meant to not be sitting by a pool for 38 years. It was just the condition he found himself in. And Jesus not only heals him, but he gives him a future, the future that was the intended experience for him. Jesus restores it to his life. And every time we come to this place or you go to a Bible study or we have a worship night or whatever it might be, even your own devotional time, in our relationship with Jesus, the continuous opportunity and question that Jesus asks us is, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? But just like the man who found himself waiting by the pool, the lame man, we have a tendency to put our stock and our expectation for healing in our life in things that may not be Jesus. They're not inherently bad things, but they're not, they're not Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the pool, but the pool doesn't have any power. What he really needed was a moment with Jesus. We all have pools in our lives a hope, and hope that they'll serve conditions of our heart and restore them. Whether it's that social media or Instagram you find yourself on all the time. Hoping that it will fill the void of acceptance or recognition in your life. Or a relationship that you hope would finally make you feel loved and accepted as you should. Or the career or sense of achievement that is, you're hoping will finally help you feel fulfilled and satisfied with your life. If you just get to that level. Or the things we pursue that we hope will bring us joy. That blacked out, beautiful F-150. Whoa, Jesus. That would be joy. But 
the things in our life we hope for. Or maybe it's quite even simply the religion that we hide behind. Instead of actually experiencing a life-changing transformation relationship with Jesus, we rather come and go through the motions of what we should be doing and put our stock in what we think we should be doing rather than what Jesus would speak to our life if we would just let him. See, the problem with pool, there's two problems with pool. The first problem is they don't hold any power. For 38 years, it didn't hold any power. Failed expectation and hopes in something that was nothing more than a myth. And the second problem with pools is kids pee in them. No, like, (laughs) those are the two big problems with pools. No power and pee. So if you can manage those things. But there's no power in them. He waited for years beside this pool with no change in his life at all. And yet it was the moment that he gave Jesus an opportunity to speak into his life and bring healing. His life was transformed forever. And if the story tells us anything is that pools serve as a placeholder in our life and a momentary solution. A perceived effort that we can fix it on our own. But in reality, what we're truly looking for is something only Jesus can supply. That's the reality. The things in my life that I put stock in and go, ah, I can figure this out. I'll, I can do this. But in reality, what I need is Jesus to do it in my life, to truly produce what I'm really looking for, and then serve as nothing more than a placeholder. And so when Jesus asks us, do we want to be made well, he's not just looking for healing and a fresh start but to actually lift us out of the condition we find ourselves in, the legacy that we've adopted to become complacent and comfortable with our own brokenness. Will I live a life comfortable and complacent with my own brokenness in my life? Or will I recognize that the pools in my life, the things I put stock in to bring healing and transformation, do not have power like Jesus has power to transform my life? And in the moment he restores, in the moment he makes us new, He actually establishes our life to the intended experience. He restored this man's life not just to, uh, he restored it to the way he made him to live his life, the way he was supposed to experience life. And when we choose to deal with the brokenness and the conditions in our own life, we begin to experience our lives as they were intended to be. Free from the brokenness. Liberated and excited about waking up every day and and having a new day with Jesus. Jesus, what are you going to have for me today? It's a new experience that we have. My favorite part of the story is Jesus heals the man, and he jumps up, and he grabs his mat, and he goes booking down the street. And he's excited. And he's yelling and hollering, like, woo, yeah, that's awesome, woo. Like, 38 years, you'd be throwing yourself a party of a century by yourself. It'd be amazing. And it takes 30 seconds for the Pharisees to go, hey, it's the Sabbath, dude. you got to put that down. And he's like, dude, you know what? I've sat here for 38 years with no transformation in my life. This guy told me to pick up my mat, and I could pick it up. I'm going to do that thing. And when Jesus transforms and heals the brokenness in your life, it actually goes beyond the expectations that other people have on you into walking in the freedom and excitement that Jesus gives because he made you well. Not their expectations that are not work, not anything you've done in your own life, but there's a liberation and a freedom to walk in joy and excitement because God has made you well. Regardless of what the expectations of other people might be on you. And as believers, we need to combat the idea that we have made it. Jesus, you've done everything in my life that you're going to do. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll keep coming to church. It's good. But to understand that we are a work in progress, a continual work in progress for the brokenness in my life. Paul talks about salvation as this word called metanoia. It's a Greek word that essentially means the, the renewal, the daily renewal of my mind. That every single day, I'm going to choose to daily renew my mind, God. That I'm going to address the brokenness in my life every single day. Not just for a moment, 
but for a lifetime. That every single time we meet with Jesus, he goes, do you want to be made well? Like, Jesus, I want to be made well. What are the things in my life that I do not see? God, I want to pursue the life goal of being made well. In my speech, in my family, in my relationships, in my motives, in my heart. God, what are the things in my life you want to make well in me? Maybe even the things that I don't necessarily see in myself. And it may go beyond just sin. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's just learning to trust that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Over this past year, I, I feel like Mikhail and I have this dream for our life that I think would be amazing, and I feel like it's from God. And I was at this conference. They do like this youth pastors conference every January. And I had someone come speak to me. They'd be like, you've been thinking about something, and you just need to hear that God, Jesus is saying to you, all in its time, which is the worst word ever. All in its time. That just means wait. That's terrible. That's not helpful. That's like it's all in its time. I was like, thanks, dude. I rebuked that message. All in its time. And my natural tendency is to take over, not to just let it be. And so the question I have to ask myself is, okay, so God, you've, you're asking me all in its time to give you trust and just leave it in your hands. God, am I going to trust that you are who you say you are? Or am I going to love you so much that I'm going to go over your head and try and make something happen before it's time? So maybe the condition of your heart is just learn to trust that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do in our lives. Trust in the character and calling of God that we can just give our lives over to him and trust that his timing is maybe better than my timing. Hmm. Where do we find ourselves today? Do we want to be made well? What are the things in my life, God, that I don't necessarily even see that, guys, you, you need to heal in me? That, God, every day when I wake up, it's not that I've arrived and now I follow Jesus, but, but following you is a daily renewal and a continuing process of being made well. And as I am made well, you posture me and you push me beyond my condition into a purpose and experience that was the intended experience. It's my life as it's supposed to be lived. Full of faith, full of healing, full of power, and excited about what God's doing in your life because he's brought healing to the areas that you may have put expectations and stock in things that don't have any power because we choose to give them over to him. And so the simple question is, do you want to be made well? Do you want to take the chance to give it over to Jesus instead of trying to figure it out on our own and allow him to surprise you with the intended experience of your life that you may not have even seen yet and how God wants to use you and how he wants you to be an influence in, in your world I laugh every time I go to a youth conference. I go, you're going to change the world. And I'm like, how about we focus on our world first, the people I have in my life, and then we'll focus on the rest of the world. That God actually wants to use us to influence people around us to love and care for them. But we got to be made well. I need to be made well in order to be useful and actually someone that can make an impact in the lives around me. And so this morning, we'll just leave you with this simple thought. Do you want to be made well? Are our lives postured in the position of saying, Jesus, Whatever in my life needs to be dealt with, Jesus, whatever in my life that I may not even see that you want to work on, God, I give it to you. Just whatever it is, I give it to you. Because I trust that you can do more in a moment than I can do in a lifetime with my expectations and things that don't have power. Let's pray. God, we say thank you. That, God, your patience is huge. That, God, you're so patient with us. And, God, we, we answer this question, yes, God, we want to be made well. God, give us a courage and a boldness to, to maybe open up our lives and open up our hearts to some things that we've been trying to fix on our own. But God, in a moment, you could just turn it around. 
That God, full of faith and expectation, we give it to you. God, we say thank you that you're good and that you love us and that, God, you're always there for us. And so, God, as we choose to be made well every single day, that, God, as we move forward into the intended experience that you have for us for our lives, that, God, we would just hear stories of, God, you're doing amazing things. And you're awesome. And you're my name, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Have a great long weekend and stay inside all day. Don't go to the gym. It's too hot for the gym, people. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you.